Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comics in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Shoe. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Today's topic, Titans Season 2, the gritty take on the classic Teen Titans franchise. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. I think this is a first for us to come back and do a second season yeah. of a previous review. Oh, then again, no, we did the pilot of Star Trek Discovery, and, and then, then we did all of Season 2, but we did complete Season 1 of Titans, and here we are now talking about Season 2. Yeah, and uh, if you've listened to our previous review or you haven't, check it out. Um, we both loved Season 1, and Season 2 just literally picks off up where Season 2 1 left off. Well, it's interesting that you say that, because it's very evident when you're watching Season 2, or the Season 2 premiere, and we knew going in yeah. that originally the Season 2 premiere was intended to be the Season 1 finale. And they changed it up. And that's why the season two premiere is continuing where we last left the characters. Trigon is still the big bad. And then when you get to episode two of season two, there's that time shift. Yeah, and it really feels like a season opener. It's a different show. Yes. Episode two onwards is a different show to what the first one was. We're no longer having Trigon as the big bad. Although he's still mentioned, now it's Deathstroke. Yeah. And a very different Deathstroke to what we've seen before. Last time on TV was Manu Bennett on Arrow. Yeah, who did a phenomenal job. And for a lot of people, I know he's kind of their touchstone. Um, working in a comic book store, obviously. We watched from when he started appearing on Arrow. The interest in Deathstroke comics jumped massively. I mean, it must have quadrupled, at least. In fact, people came in like, oh, what's this Deathstroke guy? What's his stuff like? All because of Manu Bennett and his um, continued popularity since I, you can, I can trace all the way back to his performance. Well, it was fantastic on the show. And I remember the opening, the Arrow pilot, and you saw Deathstroke's mask on the beach. Yeah. And that just had people excited. That was in the initial trailer for Arrow. So even just a tease of Deathstroke before we were introduced to Manu Bennett in the role. But yeah, he really was good in that part. Yeah, and for Titans, we have Isai Morales, um, who does a really good job. His is a lot more calm, subdued. A lot more tortured. Yeah. We heard about Bennett's Deathstroke having kids, but we didn't really see that. In here, it's all about Deathstroke and his kids, whether it's Rose, Jericho, just like in the comics. This, yeah. I feel, is a more comic-accurate Deathstroke. Yeah, and the the design of his costume is also more subdued, where for Arrow, the red and blue was... Sorry, the orange and blue was very prominent. There was kind of a, a, a paintball hockey quality to his mask. This one's a lot more toned down, a lot more of the classic grey scales-type armour from the comics that Deathstroke traditionally wears. Um, and the whole... Yeah, his... It's personal for this Deathstroke. It's not like what we got an Arrow. It's like, I am personally holding you responsible and I'm not just trying to kill you. I am trying to hurt you the way I was hurt. And I like the fact that Deathstroke is 
a Titans villain, just like Trigon. Like they're not using other characters to go up against Titans. It's their villains. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always been that connection, and it's we see very early on that if the Titans are to get back together, Deathstroke will come back and hunt them one by one. But since they disbanded, he'd left them alone. Yeah. So he was very clear about his threat. You reform, I'm coming for you. Yeah, and it's it gives him a clear motivation. And you know, there is a very there is two ways they can go about it. They can attack Deathstroke and defeat him if they're lucky, or they can disband again and he'll leave him be. But you know, we won't have a show with that if that happens, so they decide to go up against him. Because of the restructuring from the season one finale to the season two premiere, we had to wait until we actually got to see Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And we've got Ian Glenn in the role. He was, I think, primarily known for his part in Game of Thrones, a yeah. show that I've not watched, but I've heard that it's very good. Yeah. I might get to it one day. I did see him as the bad guy in the Bad Education movie. Jack yeah. Whitehall, you may have seen that. But outside of that movie, I'd not seen him before. So when he was cast, when we first heard him speak in that trailer, had me concerned. As I'm watching him throughout season two, I I kept coming back to having moments of concern. When we get to him in that dream sequence or hallucination doing the Batsui, yeah. and we finish season two, I am completely on board with Glenn as Bruce Wayne. Very different to any Bruce Wayne we've had before, but he's bringing something really interesting to the part. Yeah, and he's a long-established actor. Uh, the other thing which he was doing at the same time as Game of Thrones was Downton Abbey. Oh, right. Another uh, show I don't watch. Yeah. <laughs> Although um, I did see the first series. And it's strange. The big concern for a lot of fans when he was announced was, isn't he too old like, to be an active Batman? Because he is... Uh, a lot more older than the actor playing Dick Grayson. But realistically, he should be. But this this is the Batman for an older Dick Grayson. We yeah. do get to see him become Nightwing in this season, which is one of the best things ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was so yeah. good seeing him finally take on that mantle. But he had been Robin. He had stopped being Robin. He joined the police force. So Dick Grayson had done all these things all the while Batman was getting older. Yeah, and there's a great maternal Bruce Wayne we get from England. He's very calm. Yeah. He's very calm. But when you've got the scene with Mercy and she, she's got all the buyers interested in Superboy, here's a weapon, and then very calmly, while stirring tea in the Batcave, Bruce Wayne shuts down the television feed and then allows the Titans to step up and handle it themselves. Yeah. He just, for me, always came in and had a very calming presence. Yeah, and it's funny because it's, it's an experienced Bruce. He's does not, does not got that youth and that fire. Um, he's done it all, and he's seen it affect Dick poorly, and he's tried to go... A, it feels like he's learned a lesson, and now he's addressing stuff like... Jason and Dick from a more mature and he, he's like still a 
paternal figure, but it's like, no, 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 like, why are you doing it this way? Like, a patient father, like, you know this, like, I don't need to tell you this, where are you going? And most of the season, he does he's not actually physically there. It is basically inside Dick's head, and it's, like, his conscious and his own self-doubt. They play around with it a little bit, don't they? Like, there's, there's an episode in the diner when yeah. it wasn't really there. It was Raven sending a projection yeah. for Bruce. And that's realised between Starfire and Donna Troy in the season finale. Yeah. Um, yeah, when they ask him, like, what was with the donuts? And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they mention where they were, and he's like, I've never been there. Yeah. But one of my favourite things about the season was the interactions between Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Maybe more than I would have enjoyed Batman and Robin having interactions. And then when you get to the finale and you've got Dick saying to Bruce, well, you know, looking back, I can see what you were doing there. And he's explaining, say, okay, you were doing this for this particular outcome. And in in the long run, it's helped me. And you can see Bruce is like, oh, you, maybe you could see it that way. So it's kind of like, you know, Dick's learning something from Bruce, but almost by accident. Like yeah. Bruce had done something in the past was it intended it to be a particular lesson, but it benefited in the long run? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only thing... Well, it's smart they didn't put him in the suit because it would take away from Robin then. I mean, you haven't seen Wonder Woman in a, or Superman show up either. There's no reason to bring in the Justice League yet. That's true, but you do get that scene at Wayne Manor. Young Dick Grayson, young Donna Troy... And then there's movement. You can see the shadows underneath the, the bottom of the door. Yeah. And it's Batman and Wonder Woman in the other room. And I thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. Or probably Diana Prince and Bruce Wayne. But either or, it was those two characters, two of the Trinity, behind a closed door, but they are on the show. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, I th- and again, like season one, it's one of the strengths of this show that DC haven't done on TV before, which is like hinting at a much larger universe that's fully fleshed out. It's out there. You're just not seeing it because we're focused in on the Titans. And we've said that like from the get-go, this is a lived-in DC universe. If you look at what they're doing with the Arrowverse, it's taken them, what, eight years to fully flesh out this wider DC universe. Yeah. Um, And going forward, I imagine DC to be going this route rather than the arrow we build it as we go route. I'd say. You know, I do still often find the swearing a distraction (laughs) because I'm still not quite there yet. Like, I've seen the Birds of Prey movie. I've seen the Harley Quinn animated series. So I'm not a stranger to having bad language on a DC show or DC film. But I do still find it as a bit of a distraction. It takes me out of it slightly. Yeah. And the... uh... For season two, the amount of uh, blood splatters is significantly down as well. Oh, gory. Yeah. Very gory. But it does, it works for this gritty take on the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mercy Graves coming in. Classic Lex Luthor uh, sidekick. And we hear of Lex a lot. Yeah. We never see him. Gotta happen in season three, surely. Well, given that they introduce Connor, yeah, absolutely. I don't see why they wouldn't. Or, yeah, I can't think, like, that's a a significant storyline from the Titans comics of Connor trying to discover where he lies between a half clone of Superman and the other half of Lex Luthor. That was Jeff Johns, wasn't it? 
he was the one yes. that wrote that story. So up until that point, that had not been the case. No. And then part of his Titans run, he had that be the new origin of the Superboy clone. And I think I think the actor's great in this, Joshua Orpin. Yeah. He plays a very good Superboy. Yeah, because he looks right. You know, he's got an imposing build. And he's he plays the, I don't know what any of this is, very naturally. And his interactions with Crypto are great as well. Oh, Crypto's brilliant in this. Yeah. Oh, Crypto murders people. <laughs> yeah. When he's on the Luther farm. Yeah. And he, there's a missile that's fired in there. And he, and he just jumps up, it catches it in his mouth, spins it out. That was a really interesting episode where he had two memories. And he thought he was going to the Kent farm. Because when he gets to the Luther farm and it's Lionel Luther, Lex's dad, and he's describing, oh, it looks different. And what he's describing... And then Lionel's like, oh, that sounds like the Kent farm up the road. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because he's got, yeah, he's literally drawing on two memories and they're confused in his mind. It's very, very well handled. Um, and it's something they do well throughout this season. Every now and then they do a whole episode where it's like a flashback to catch you up on something specific. They do it with episode four with what broke up the Titans initially, the death of Aqualad. And they do it with Connor giving you his entire backstory. So when he starts interacting with the rest of the Titans, they've done the heavy lifting. They've spent a whole episode building it because we had a season with the rest of them. We don't need to get eat that out over the rest of the season. With that, though, it does feel like the characters we were introduced in that first season are pushed to the side. Yeah. But it has to happen because they're expanding the ranks. We still get more Hawk and Dove than I feel I need. <laughs> They're okay as characters, but we do get a lot of them. But you mentioned the Aqualad episode. Yeah. Gets killed. Yeah. Generally shocked when that happens. Yeah, because it, you know, it's set five years prior to where we are. And it was great seeing all of the heroes suited up in their comic accurate costumes. Yeah, and you're seeing the dynamic between all of them. You know, Robin was dating... Uh, Dove at the time, you had uh, Hank like looking wistfully over at them, and then you've got Aqualad desperately trying to date Donna, and she's pushing it off because she's she doesn't want to do that kind of thing, but he's too charming for her, and then when she finally decides, yeah, there's something here, that's when he gets killed, and it's Deathstroke that. She, Fires the bullet. Honestly, generally surprised watching it on Netflix after the death of Aqualad, so episode five onwards, everyone opens with Aqualad getting shot. Yeah. And it was like it was hard enough experiencing it the first time. So each time you go to watch another episode, you're just repeatedly seeing Aqualad get yeah. murdered <laughs> in a very gritty fashion. Yeah. Uh, but he did a phenomenal job, great casting, um, really well written. And they do it interesting because that's episode four. You don't find out the Titans' reaction to that until Jericho's backstory in episode eight, four episodes later. And then you don't find out... Uh, so all that, you get Superboy's backstory and then you get a bunch of other stuff happen, a lot of big moments with the team. But the whole time after episode four, I'm like, what happened? What did they do? You did, You left me on a cliffhanger in the past. What happened? The way they go about the storytelling, it's very different 
to what we get in those CW shows, isn't it? Yeah. Like the way, like you're saying there, that they will structure episodes, whereas if you watch the whole thing as a piece, it all comes together and makes sense. Whereas, but you do need to see every piece. I feel like, although I do watch all the DC CW shows, if you miss one, I don't think it'd be the end of the world. Yet you need every episode to have the whole story with yeah. Titans. Yeah, and um, it it's smart because for those next four episodes, I was hankering for the next episode to drop. I'm like, come on, where is it? I need to know. I have to know what happened. Because uh, I had my theory. I was wrong. Oh, what was your theory? My theory was after you see how the episode ends with Dick starting to befriend Jericho, I'm like, did they murder Deathstroke's son? Like an eye for an eye? Because given the dark tone that the show had already it leaned towards... successfully gives that impression. Yeah. You're supposed to think that, and it did it very well. But as you say, with the darkness of this show, it could have happened. Yeah. They could have potentially gone too far because Robin, or Dick Grayson, has been very hard on himself. Yeah. Taking full responsibility. But it just turns out that he put Jericho in a particular situation. As Deathstroke went to attack Dick... Jericho got in the way. Yeah. Um, and it's really well done. Jericho, great performance by Chella Man. Because he's mute. You see how that happens. Uh, and not, not just the character, the actor. The actor's... It's a, it's a deaf actor. Oh, wow. In the role. So he, he conveys that, I'm going to say convincingly. Because, yeah. But he, but he does. And you're right. He is fantastic in that role. Yeah, because, I mean... Any actor will tell you, and you've I've seen great examples and terrible examples of trying to emote and get across the character's point without dialogue. Immensely hard. He does it that well. When you jump to the season finale and Jericho is now in Rose, and then Dick's like, Jericho, is that you? And he does that action with his arms yeah and even that is sort of like wow she's absolutely nailed what the actor was doing as jericho previously yeah and just straight away just by actions no dialogue you know yeah it is it's jericho yeah and that's great writing uh, i mean it's obviously phenomenally well cast but that's really hard to get across once again we have jason todd robin being an absolute dick <laughs> Played brilliant by Kevin Walters. Yeah. He was really good in that first season and then just takes it up a notch in this season. He plays it so well. Like, you really dislike the guy, but then there's moments where, you know, you're backing him, you want him to succeed. Like, when he's taken by Deathstroke and Dr. Light, oh, Dr. Light, we're <laughs> a different take on that character. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like Jason Todd in this. I thought he was a really good addition to the team. Yeah, because when the season starts, you've got Dick having moved them to San Francisco and Titan's Tower, uh, which is not a shitty. It is just an apartment building. Missed opportunity, but I get it. <laughs> it's too much of a target. I mean, Robin on the news, Titans are back, bitches. Yeah. And then Deathstroke's like, really? Yeah. And that's, it starts the whole thing in motion. Uh, but he's trying to teach Gar and Ra Rachel... All of the basics, uh, self-defense, how to do, how to be competent on their own, and how to work within a team structure. They need all of those bases 
because they're going to be going out as a team. Jason, on the other hand, has already been in the field for like a year and has experience and is being, and feels chafed underneath the, the restrictions. So he's being a massive dick about it. And what do you know? He doesn't learn his lessons. gets captured by Deathstroke. It's always going to happen. Do you know what I feel for? Ryan Potter is Gar Logan. He had so much more to do in that first season. And even in the, you know, the Doom Patrol spin-off, because he played a part in that being set up. Or is, it, is there an episode in Doom Patrol that he's in it? Uh, or is it no, just was the Titans, Titans episode? Right, okay, but he's got that connection to Doom Patrol. Because they did an interesting thing with that, and it wasn't revealed until the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. You find out that the Doom Patrol show and the Titan show take place on different Earths. Yeah, and i got to imagine that's because they recast most of the characters in Doom Patrol. I mean, that would make sense, but so potentially there is still a version of Doom Patrol in the Titans universe, but it just seems with Titans Season 1, they were really building up Beast Boy. He had this connection to Doom Patrol. It was getting its own spin-off. And then here, he's moping around. He's chasing after Superboy. He's pining after Raven. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's more... He gets captured. Yeah, and you only see him transform in season two. I feel like twice in the entire. You get the the big one at the at the fun fair yeah. in the season finale, and he's fight first. He's like terrorizing uh, people attending the fair, and then he's fighting Superboy. Yeah, that's the big one. But you do see him earlier on when you get to see that Mercy is controlling. Yeah, his change like he's no longer in control of his actions. Yeah, and I thought for season two we might get some evolution of his abilities where he can change into something other than a tiger. But I guess that's a a season three thing. But unfortunately, yeah, he seems to be the the one that gets sidelined. And season three that's happening this year. Yeah, that's been confirmed. Uh, yeah, he gets sidelined to help build uh Rose and Superboy. And the backstory for Aqualad and Deathstroke and the rest of them. So, unfortunately, I've, it's a lot large cast. I've got a page worth of actors and things here, which is longer than, I think, any other review we've done. Someone had to get the short end of the stick, and unfortunately, it was Ryan Potter. I do like Chelsea Zhang as Rose Wilson Ravenger. Yeah. She played it well. And just when you've got to that finale and... Deathstroke thinks that she's with him. She kind of walks up to him and then sides with the Titans. It's a good moment. Yeah, I really did like her in the part. Yeah, uh, and her character, just like in the comics, she doesn't speak a lot. She does speak, but not a lot. So she's having to do a lot of uh, body language to get across what the character is feeling. Um, but yeah, she does a great job. Um, even their hair, sometimes it looked great. Sometimes it looked a bit, is that a wig? <laughs> if we're talking hair though, let's talk Anna Diop, Starfire. Because visually, if you're looking at the characters, that's the big notable change. Cause she's got the frizzy hair from season one in the season two premiere. And then from episode two onwards, she's got the straight hair. Yeah. But her as a character, I've never fully understood the show's portrayal of her powers. 
because in the comics, she's really powerful. She's an alien. She's got the power of the sun. She can fly. She's invulnerable. She's got all these abilities. Yet what they're showing us in Titans is that she's only really got powers during the day. At nighttime, she depowers. She needs the sun. So that's showing a big weakness to her power set. But then there's the thing going on where, you know, people from her planet are tracking her down. She's on the run. Yeah. And, and it seems her powers are She more, gets depowered yeah. or, or the powers are almost non-existent. Like she gets shot and Raven's able to heal her. But she's essentially without powers when we leave her. Yeah. Um, which is strange as well because she's also... You see her in season one and parts of season two. She has like super strength. At times, because she had amnesia as well, remember, in that yeah. first series. So there was times where all of a sudden she'd be super powerful. You're like, wow, that's impressive. So it's almost like they found a way to depower her again. They depowered her in that first season because she didn't always know how to use her abilities or what they were. In the second season, they're getting taken away for some reason. Yeah, and her whole story, which gets kind of hinted at as the team forms, breaks up and then reforms and breaks up and then reforms yet again over the course of the season. But uh, for Dai, her like guardsman slash ex-boyfriend from her home planet, he's trying to take her home because she's supposed to take up the throne, but she's distracted with Earth and she never really wanted it anyway. But her sister, Darkfire? Blackfire. Blackfire is kind of usurping it and seems to be able to possess people. Well, she turns up at the end and I think, those poor kids in the car, they've just been grocery shopping with the parent or with the mum. Yeah. She's loading the groceries and then she gets possessed, leaves the kids. Yeah. And that's setting up season three. Yeah, and it's... I haven't read a lot of comics where her sister turns up, but I'm pretty sure possession wasn't one of the abilities. No, I think, I think it's a new... A new power, but she's using something like a, an organic entity or whatever that's crawling in. I don't know what I don't know how they're doing it, but that's yeah, it's not an ability I've known Starfire or other members of her race to have. Yeah, so it'll be interesting for them to pad that out for season two. We mentioned Superboy already, but his power set is on point. Yeah, really liking that. The episode where Deathstroke throws, was he shoot him or throw him? Robin out of the skyscraper. Yeah, he has him on like Dick a... Dick Grayson's up top. Yep. And he's free-falling, and you you get left there. Did you did they do a cliffhanger with that? And no, then no, you the, see him get... Do the pick up. Oh, right, him. then Superboy leaps through the air, captures him, and then I'm watching that, and I was like, that was a highlight at that moment for the for Titans, both season one and two of me. I thought, that was incredible. What a heroic rescue, and he captures Robin. You know, when have we seen that before? Never. Superboy in live action capturing Robin lands and then he gets shot with a kryptonite bullet. You're yeah. like, wow, what a roller coaster of yeah. emotion. Yeah, yeah, that's the end of an episode. Like, oh my god, he's dying. Oh my god, he's saved. Superboy. Oh my god, Superboy's dying. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. And I, I can't believe I remembered it incorrectly because I literally rewatched that scene <laughs> last night. But yeah, that's that's how they did it. And it it was it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I I really like Superboy. That Superboy, there's a few Superboys now, but that version of Superboy, uh, as imagined by Jeff Johns, is definitely my favourite. Shall we talk about what is the shocking, upsetting, ridiculous death of Wonder Girl? 
We've yeah. got Connor Leslie back as Donna Troy. She's good in this. She's I liked phenomenal. her in that first season. When you see her suit up in her costume, she looks brilliant. She's using the her powers and she's fantastic. But then when you find that she dies, and I've got to say, I will be pissed if she's actually dead. Yeah. She has to come back surely because she's an Amazonian. She's like Wonder Woman in training. What took her out? Oh, she got electrocuted. Bullshit. Yeah. No. Did yeah, not yeah. like that the first time. The rewatch for the podcast didn't like it then either. No, because she's the most competent of all the Titans. And powerful. Like, she's, she's up there. Yeah, she's at, at probably at least as powerful as Superboy. Uh, but she has a lot more experience. She's also the most mature of everyone. She's the one, only one that's not carrying, like, mental issues. She's addressed all of that sort of stuff. The dynamic between the women on the team is fantastic. The yeah. bit where she, they're trying to encourage her at the fairground to go and confront Superboy. He's Kryptonian. Yeah. You're Amazonian. Close enough. Yeah. And then she goes over and just the humor and the knowing looks and the nods is really working. And I was really enjoying that. I thought, wow, this is great. I'm loving this dynamic. Oh, she's dead. Yeah. She's dead. How disappointing. Yeah. And, you know, she's, she had everything. The lasso. Um, for me, one of the standouts, and I always feel like she's underutilized, but probably well underutilized because every time she shows up, it means something. And yeah, to have her taken away at the end of the season, I left a bad taste in my mouth. Especially when what they'd given us on this team. So you've got, you know, Titans are sidekicks. And then they found like-minded people to come together and form this team. But in season two, it gave us young Superman, young Batman, and young Wonder Woman. I thought, I'm loving this. Yeah. And then one's taken away. Again, like if she doesn't come back for season three, I'll be very surprised. Yeah. More so because it's a disappointing death. For a character such as hers. Yeah, and, it, you know, I mean, it was a heroic moment. She was the only one who was fast enough and strong enough to move and save the person who the tower was going to fall onto. But I still think, I still agree that she could take a hit like that. She I just think got she could, punched I by Superboy. Yeah. And yeah. as a daughter of Zeus, well, if that's, if they go with that idea with Wonder Woman... Wouldn't she be immune to electricity? I mean, you think, wouldn't she? I mean, that's. I think that's more of like a more recent take on her origin, yeah, isn't it? That wasn't it is. an original one. But I think she should definitely be able to take that power. You know, it's similar to what does often happen on the CW shows, where you've got say five characters. At least one of those characters could easily take care of the threat. Yet one of the other characters will go up against that threat and get taken out or be badly injured yeah and you're like well that's ridiculous do you know what i mean it's sort of like the most you know there's a more suitable person to take point in this fight but i think you're right though i think in this particular scenario wonder girl i mean superboy doesn't completely know what he's doing yet yeah and she's a fully formed character she knows her abilities she's not just protecting people at the at the fair she's also saving dawn's life yeah but still, it, hopefully she's not dead. Yeah, yeah. Bring back Connor Leslie. That's what we claim. She's really good. Like, honestly, she's one of the standouts of the show for me. Her and Dick Grayson. Yeah. Now, Brenton Thwaites was great in that first season. Next level here. We get a lot more brooding from him. It's very, <laughs> very Batman. Yeah. But his journey to becoming Nightwing is so 
satisfying and they pull it off completely. We find out in this season, the Bat family have a suit guy. Yeah. They've got somebody that they go to and that person was very annoyed that Dick had burned his Robin suit. Yeah. Which, you know, in Dick's uh, defence, he didn't actually set fire to it. There was an explosion and it got caught in there. But... He left it. Yeah, he left it. <laughs> he left it. So, you burned my suit? I don't do this anymore. How about I just burn all my pies? When you've got the Titans... And in front of them, there's Deathstroke. They're inside the car. They're huddled together. They're like, what do we do? And then you hear somebody on the roof. In, I mean, what an entrance. Yeah. And he's like, is that Dick? Yeah. And then he's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. And just seen him come back and then he's got the batons. You know, we got to see earlier in the season when he had like the bow staff and he got broken in half and he kind of looks at the two half and then uses them in combat. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's, he's training. He's yeah, training yeah. for his... His clubs that he has as Nightwing. Yeah, and Nightwing is one of my favourite DC characters. The design is incredible on the page and in this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they nail it. Like they nail, that, that is Nightwing. That is my favourite version of Nightwing. I'm glad they've done the big, wide bluebird. And they've not gone without the little one that they use on the Young Justice cartoon. Yeah, yeah, the, like the one that's like from the disco era that I, I never. Which they do work their way into the show in the prison. That's what one of the guys who's trying to escape etches on the wall. And I did like that an inspiration. Like in the comics, it was Nightwing, the Kryptonian superhero yeah. that Superman told Young Robin stories about. But I like the origin of that idea in here. Yeah, but when I saw. That rendition of the the symbol, I thought, oh, please, dear God, don't use that one. And they didn't. They went with the uh, the current comic accurate costume. When they jump to the end, and you, it's really cheesy, and they do that thing where they've got all the characters lined up, they're walking in slow motion, and it's cheesy as all hell. And this show, I would say for the most part, isn't cheesy. You know, we're going to go back to saying you know, it's a gritty show, and that's what it is. But there is so much cheese to just having them lined up and walking in slow motion. But I was so happy just seeing those characters side by side in the Nightwing costume. Superboy, he's got the black t-shirt, the red S. Yeah. They look great as a team. They do. They do. Um, and I'm very happy we're getting a season three. Oh, very happy. Yeah. I mean, again, enjoying that first season. And then the second season just takes it to another level completely for me. So on that then, if we're going to rate it out of five? Uh, I'd probably give it a solid four out of five. Um, there were standout episodes for me. The Aqualad episode was definitely a standout. Um, in fact, it may very well have been my favourite of the whole season. The, the Jericho episode really stood out. That was episode eight. Um, I liked getting the... The backstory for Connor, which was, again, really comic accurate out of the Jeff Johns run. Um, and the quirkiness of Bruce Wayne. I didn't think I'd want that. If you had told me, oh, we're going to do Bruce Wayne, he's going to do the Batuzzi, and he's going to be, like, like doing weird sexy dances next to, <laughs> like, strippers and nightclubs, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? That sounds like a nightmare. But the way it was pulled off, just worked really well. Um, it reminded me a little bit of David Tennant as the Purple Man in season two of right, Jessica Jones, yeah. except 
not as an antagonist. And I, I just, it just worked for me. But I get what you mean. It's a character that's interacting with everybody else for the most part, but he's doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, a really satisfying conclusion. Bar. Minus Wonder Girl. Well, yeah. Donna's uh, unceremonious exit. I'm going to come in at a strong four as well. This is a really good season. Again, Hawk and Dove as characters, I do struggle with them. I think they're fine. The performances are there. But as characters, I'm not necessarily as interested in them as I am all the characters. Being a big Superman guy, I really enjoyed the Connor episode, episode six. Yeah. The origin of Superboy. I think that portrayal is fantastic. Seeing Nightwing, like we kind of knew it was going to happen, but it just exceeded all my expectations. And Ian Glenn as Bruce Wayne, I think I think people still talk shit about him in the role online, but I think he's really good, and you can't compare him to any other Bruce Wayne. And you know what? If you want a more classic Bruce Wayne Batman, we're getting Robert Pattinson yeah. in the Batman. You know, we recently had Affleck. There's so many different takes on, on Batman. Just enjoy them all. Yeah, I mean, we're big fans of the Brave and the Bold, which is kind of a... Hammers a... of Justice, <laughs> Dietrich Bader. That is, that is great. And it did take me a while to get into that show. I yeah. was struggling. So at first I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's too much of a kid's show. And then I had the realisation, hang on, this is Silver Age Batman that I grew up reading as a kid. Yeah. And completely fell in love with that show. So you really can do so many different things with Batman, but then still we're seeing things from this Bruce Wayne that I've never seen before and I did enjoy. Yeah. And generally we don't get this much Bruce Wayne in something Batman-centric anyway. And to never wear the cowl. Yeah. We got to see that nightmare sequence in the season one finale but that was before Glenn was cast. Yeah, and that was all just the stuntman. Tell you what, come season three, it'd be pretty cool to see Ian Glenn suited up as Batman. Yeah, um, and if now that they've got someone that they can go go back to in the Batman cow, hopefully they give him a really nice suit as well because he's a tall guy. And it's and you know they can have him. In a good-looking Batman suit on a TV budget. I mean, look at that Nightwing suit. It's yeah. fantastic. They can do that on TV, but it's not a character. They're going to have to spend money on special effects. Yeah. You don't need to spend that for superpowers because he doesn't have any. Yeah. I'm hoping we get more Ian Glenn. He's fantastic as Bruce Wayne. Let's see what he can do as an older Batman. Yeah. The only addition to this show I'd like to see would be Miss Martian. That would be cool. That Yes, I like it. Now, one thing I will add before we close, the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, I did mention that it's revealed that the shows Doom Patrol and Titans are on two separate Earths. In the actual crossover, I was very surprised to see Hank Hall, Jason Todd, Rachel Roth, Corey Anders, and Dawn Granger make cameo appearances. For the most part, it's repurposed footage. Yeah. But still... We got to see characters from this show in the CW crossover, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and that crossover did a really great job of tipping its hat to the entire history of DC, not just in film, but on TV as well. Superman Returns, Tim Burton's Batman, yeah. Swamp Thing, like so many shows are incorporated. 
No Dean Kane. No. We get no tip of the hat to Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman, but they do go out of the way to show a lot. But I was legitimately surprised to see Titans in there. Yeah. Um, and so they should. It's currently running and it would be a strange omission since you have those characters that you're paying anyway. You know, I did hear that Krypton was going to appear, but the show had been cancelled and they just couldn't work it out. Ah, So that was a bit disappointing. But yeah, Crisis did a good job to include many DC TV film continuities. But yeah, but again, like Titans, I was legit surprised. But as you say, it does make sense for them to include them. Well, that's it for our episode all about Titans Season 2. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.